0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Beer Ladies Podcast. My name is Tandy, and I'm playing host today, giving um, Lisa a well-deserved rest of her voice <laughs> there. <laughs> Although I'm sure we'll be doing a bit of talking. I'll still chime for in. Three of us. Good, good. I'm joined today by Lisa and Christina, and we're talking about another one of these kind of beer adjacent topics. Although we are talking about beer still, we're talking about beer cocktails. So beer cocktails, hybrids crossovers what are these things and why on earth would you add anything (laughs) else to your beer i'd like to know i'd like to be convinced because i know nothing about it so and before we get going with what are we drinking and i'm just going to remind you all there that we love it we love it when you all share our episodes with your friends when you leave us a review on spotify or apple podcasts or wherever you listen we also love it when you guys buy merch or buy us a beer, and you can find all the links to that, as well as our socials, in any one of our bios on social media, so on Twitter, we are at Pod and on Instagram, we're Pod. on Facebook, we're beer ladies Podcast. but you'll find us, search for mm-hmm. us, and a, a slightly improved website coming your way soon enough, so that'll also be a thing. All right, ladies, let's talk beer cocktails, And let's maybe just go around the houses and see what we're all drinking, whether cocktail or not. Um,
1: Christina, let's start with you. Um, So I have actually, Lisa gave this to me (laughs) and I've been holding on to it. So this is the Crack Beer Community, which shout out, they have a new podcast as well. So I'm really excited for them and listening to them. And it's amazing. So well done. Um, So the Crack Beer Community. Um, in collaboration with Dot Brew, also love Dot Brew. Um, and it's a barrel-aged Imperial West Coast Pale Ale. Speaking of like, you know, fancy kind of elaborate beers. Um, yeah, so it was aged in eight months for eight months in a bourbon barrel. So that's really exciting. So that's what I have today.
0: Interesting. Before you move on, what is the ABV of that
2: beer? <laughs> I
1: want yeah. to say it was like cocktail adjacent. Yeah, it's 11.2%. Yeah. So that that'll...
2: <laughs>
0: That sounds that is- like that sounds like imperial IPA territory, not imperial pale ale territory. Well, you all can go back and listen to our IPA episode for some of that and other controversies. But that sounds delicious and
2: very interesting. Lisa, what have you got? So I, I'm not quite sure what to call this, and and as I was I was thinking as as we were sort of throwing it together with what we had around the house, we were experimenting, but also trying to look at a couple of beer recipes both online and. Uh, or beer cocktail rather recipes that we had uh, at home and some books as well as online we kind of went with what we had so it's kind of like a dark and stormy ish but made with Guinness so it's basically got a Guinness base and then we've played around with some rum uh, some Demeraris rich simple some allspice dram there's a bit of lime in there so maybe we'll ask listeners what this kind of thing should actually be called I'm sure some of you are doing creative things at home with the know your extra cans of Guinness so again just to give it a shot so this is purely experimental but certainly kind of tropical adjacent I'll I'll say that like it
0: Lisa's Lisa's beer cocktail of the evening well we'll have to yeah we'll have to find a better name for that for sure and sounds really cool and I, I will admit guys I've never mixed my beer with anything except for lemonade to make a shandy and today is no different. I'm just drinking a straight up beer because I needed some convincing on this cocktail <laughs> vibe. So I'm drinking a um, a tiny by Larkins. Mm. Uh, so Larkins have they seemingly have have done some work on their branding recently. I think it's kind of funky and kind of cool, very colourful. This is a session IPA. It's four percent, and yeah, I mean, so far, look, it's 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 a nice hazy boy, and and it's very tropical. It's I'm enjoying it so far. There it is. Okay, so if I were to mix this, what would it be mixed with? No idea. Tell us about beer mm. cocktails, friends. Christina, are these um, are beer cocktails or things that we might mix with beer? Is this a new concept?
2: No, no,
1: (laughs) no, people have been mixing beer with other things to make new kinds of beers and ales for a very, very long time. I I mean, of course, they probably wouldn't have called it cocktails because that's more modern term, but they would have been mixing things to make other delicious drinks for a very, very, very long time. Um, It's one of my favorite things to do. It's actually what I've been working on. Um, my my sort of cooking historical beer cooking project on my website at the minute, or um, did last year, and I'm going to start picking it up again because I miss doing it. It's a lot of fun, but yeah, no, they're very old. <laughs> so I remember when we did malt tonics,
0: both episodes one and two, we did speak about the idea of mixing ale um, or beer with medicinal kind of things to give us a medicinal quality. Surely. Um, It's not just that though right I mean for a shandy, for instance, you're mixing it with lemonade to, I think, lower the ABV, but also to make it really easy to drink in a hot summer day, which is why I would know about that one a bit more, but why else would we mix beer with other things is it just a purely creative process where we want nice tasty
1: things. Well, yeah, but there's also certain ones that are good for certain times of year. So um, I am going to do the thing I hate. I'm going to talk about Christmas and it isn't Halloween yet, but here we are. (laughs) Um, So one of the famous sort of, or most famous drinks that you've probably heard of um, is lamb's wool, or you might be familiar with wassailing and, and that kind of Tradition around Christmas, which is also known as apple howling, which someone really needs to make a metal band called Apple (laughs) Howling because I just like obsessed with that name. And so this this lamb's wool would have been a drink that you would have um, for wassailing, and it's
0: let's pretend uh, that that everybody else listening is like me and doesn't understand any of these
1: traditions. Can you give us the TLDR? Yes. So TLDR, um, there's lots of different websites to talk about this so I can link some um so it's associated with the 12th night which is the January 5th and it marks the eve of the epiphany for people who follow Christianity um and so last sailing is really context specific so it really depends on where you lived um but it's definitely something that happened in the UK um Wales England and different parts of the UK had different traditions. Wales had their own traditions and different parts of like England had different traditions. And a lot of them involved traveling to orchards, singing songs, drinking beverages involving apples. And as I said, some of the versions of the tradition are called apple howling, which is, again, just my favorite, 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 favorite name <laughs> it's of a that good thing. word. Yeah. So fun to call it. Um, so yeah. So um lambswool, which is a drink that's associated with wassailing, not the only drink, but a version of, and there's many different versions of lambswool, I should say. Um, But this tends to involve um, ale with sugar, nutmeg, ginger, and apples. And so there's all different recipes. And I've made, I made two different ones because science. I don't know. It <laughs> just felt like making two. Um, so one of them added eggs and cream and the other one was without cream. So yeah, so I made both. And so basically I peeled and roast your apples. I used Granny Smith apples because they were a little less sweet. Um, I roasted them. You can add spices and sugars if you want. I didn't. Then I brought some ale to just below boiling. Um, you don't want to get it too hot because you'll get rid of that sweet, sweet alcohol, though apparently you don't lose as much alcohol as you think you do Uh huh. new studies I think I've read. So then you mix in nutmeg, ginger, cloves, and sugar. And so it really depends on how sweet or whatever you want it to be. Um, and I added brown sugar. And then if you want to add the cream, you add eggs and cream um, and you stir it and heat it together. And then you add the apples and smash it up into the drink and then you drink it. So my, I liked the one without the cream and eggs. I thought that the apples and the spice and the malt worked really well. I thought that the cream and egg version sort of overwhelmed the drink. Hmm. Um, But I could see why people liked it. It was just a little too, too, too much for me. Um, A little too rich, I think I want to say. I preferred the sort of lighter version. But yeah, so there's, there's, there's stuff like that. And then there's we'll talk about about some other ones that are just fun that people like to drink. Yeah, we, we actually tried to
2: do a, a sort of experimental wassail yesterday, but we had what I have to describe, and I'm very sorry, people of the internet, uh, a wassail fail. It was just too much of all the things. And it just was like too sweet and too spicy. And so beware, this can happen. Again, some people might like it, but we we did try to sort of say, hey, we've We've got a couple old beers hanging around. Maybe these have gone off slightly, so I think to the wine, you know you might want to think, well, you don't want this to go to waste. Let's see if we can repurpose this. And uh, we did try, but we we were I'm afraid, a bit heavy on some of the spice and um, so a bit much, a bit much. But again, a more careful hand might have uh, might have really gotten something out of it.
0: see so, you now, these just sound like variations of a mulled wine to me, mm-hmm. except obviously with a beer instead of a wine. Um, which sounds amazing, but what kind of beer or ale would you use in something like this? What's your, what's your best bet?
1: Well, whatever you, I mean, at the time, it's kind of sort of whatever they had around. So depending on, so the lambswool recipe I did was, I think, 16th or 17th century, something like that. Um, so it just took sort of whatever you'd have around. If you are recreating this today, um, as I do, I don't make 17th and 16th century ale every time I want to do <laughs> one of these experiments. That would be way too time consuming. I opt for, I tend to opt for, um, malt forward, very malt forward beers. If it's calling mm. for ale in particular, um, with the mold ones, I just like the tastes better. So sometimes I use like a really nice German lager. I think they work really well, like a dark German lager. I think they're really, really good. Um, English mild is also a good choice, you know, just think, think about the, the malt profile, um, even an English pale ale you could use, but I want it to taste good, um, the best that I can. So I'm leaning into that malt flavor. Cause I know that I really want that nice multi backbone to go well with the spices in theory, you could use whatever you want. Um, mm. But I'm just trying to think, okay, nutmeg, you know, cinnamon, ginger, I think a malt forward beer would taste really well. You could probably do a nice one with a stout or a barley wine as well. Um, And I do recommend beers for if I'll link my website, but I recommend different beers for each of the recipes that I've used, but I tend to go for um, multi beers, multi lagers, multi ales.
2: Yeah, I've had some some really successful ones, again, where, where I've bought them from someone, a professional who's made them for me, from like an old ale, or like you said, like a barley wine. So already kind of at that higher end ABV-wise, but um, it, it, I think also gave you a little more to play with kind of complexity-wise, where it wasn't necessarily then overpowered by some of the things that uh, that were put in. But again, historically, I think it's whatever was to hand. So what you had, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'd I'd
0: be almost interested to see if you were going to make um, something cooked, especially Mm. what you would need to do to say a really hoppy beer to make it, I don't know, either more balanced or would you lean in and make it more herbal uh, or more tropical or more citrusy, depending on the hops that are in that beer? You know, what would you do per beer? You know, one of the experiments that I've done recently as part of my (laughs) works beer club was... um, beer and food pairing and what I learned through that process was firstly people who do this for a living are like magicians but <laughs> secondly um, it actually made or it would make more sense next time to taste this very specific beer that you're trying to pair rather than try and figure out a food and then a style of beer that you think is going to go with it it's almost like start with that specific beer then build flavors around that um, and so I wonder with something like cocktails whether you would do the same thing, you know, start with the beer that you have and then design a recipe that way.
1: It just sort of depends on what the recipe is. Like I know with all these sort of mold ones that I'm, I know what I'm going to use because I've made a lot of them at this point. Um, But if you were to be pulling something more hoppy, so Mm. you would definitely, I would definitely think, okay, if I'm using English, you know, English hops, if the beer has English hops, then I might look for a cocktail recipe that would play up those kinds of notes in a beer. Cause of course those are quite different than new world hops. So you might pick something that would play better with that. Like a new world hopped beer might do better for a Shandy, you know? Mm. So y- you can kind of think about it that way and what you want to pull out and what you don't want to do, because there's plenty of cocktails that don't involve heat, you know, there's, there's mm-hmm. porter yeah. cups and all kinds of things that are, you know, colder beverages as well. Um, and I can link a book that talks about them as well. Um, so there's, there's a lots of different options of what you can kind of mm. play around with, but yeah, no, I think it, I think it really just depends on like what drink you're making, but yeah, I definitely can see a lot of value in exactly what you're saying in planning your cocktails.
0: Hmm. So how would we blend or what kinds of cocktails might you get if you're looking at cold blends? Um, are there any um, cocktails that are quite famous or well-known? Porter Cup. Explain what that one is. I'll take. I'll at least explain this
2: one. <laughs> oh, Porter Cup I know less about. I'll have to pass on that one, but I can start in with the Michelada which is what you're going to get at all of your good Mexican restaurants. Um, and shout out to El Grito here uh, just up the road in Dublin. They do a bunch of varieties of chiladas, micheladas, all those kinds of things where, you know, you can start with basically the the cheapest Mexican lager you have sitting around. Although actually I like it if you use some of the darker ones. I think it adds a little bit more... I, again, I don't think complexity is the right word because that's not what you're going for, but I think it just adds like again, kind of an interesting note if you're having you know chips or something else very salty. But you've got, you know, uh, you've got the lime, you've got you know basically what's almost always a lager. Uh, you've got the salt, but then you also put in some hot sauce. Now this can go in a direction if you start going overboard, but when you do it just right, Uh, And again, just right. It's not hard. Like you're really just putting these very simple ingredients together. It's really, really nice on a hot day. And it just adds a little bit of a kick, um, but just really, really refreshing. And again, it means that you can hang out at your Mexican restaurant longer because you're not just, you know, sitting there getting absolutely bombed throughout the day. So you can really kind (laughs) of extend the enjoyment. So highly recommend those, especially on a hot day. It's really, really nice. And there are other kind of slightly more complex variations of those too. But to me, that's like, your ultimate simple go-to hot weather, basically fun beer cocktail where it's super simple. doesn't have to be expensive. It's just, it just goes with things. It's lovely. And um,
1: yeah, I love those. And I'll, will a Porter cup. Um, so the one I'm talking about is from the 1929 Bonnie ah, Bonds okay. Companion or How to Mix Drinks by Jerry Ooh, Thomas, lovely. which is available for free on the interwebs. So I highly recommend that you do this. And actually this is meant to be my next, um, Ooh, historical beer project. So I will make this and report back, but the Porter cup in this is, uh, it says to mix a tankard or covered jug, a bottle of, of Porter and an equal quantity of table ale. Hmm. Um, then add some brandy, uh, ginger syrup, three to four lumps of sugar, some nutmeg, and then chill it for a half an hour. And then before you serve it, you add some, you add a teaspoon of um, soda or carbonate of soda, and then you add some cucumber for garnish.
2: Oh, interesting.
1: Wow. Okay. So,
0: so so Porter being a dark, a dark beer sort of malt forward table ale, are we talking about something a bit lighter, something obviously less like what kind of ABV again, are we talking Um, or is this just this, I mean, table ales or table beers are meant to be quite thin in a way
1: two three percents right i would imagine it's a lower abv beer yeah mm-hmm. well l so
0: yeah but yeah <laughs> the cucumber really throws me off the 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 bicarb i wonder why that would be added is it to is
1: it to liven up the carbonation again i wonder we will find out i have no idea <laughs> it's an interesting choice i'm wondering yeah Oh, that's an interesting one. Because it's right before you send it. It says just before yeah. sending it to the table, stir in a teaspoon of carbonite of soda. So it's something okay. that has like right before it. Hmm. Which is interesting. So I'm going to make this and I will report back. That is interesting.
2: Although speaking of, of Porter, I, I will have to say, I have this, this book that I was looking through sort of drinking with Dickens. So <laughs> it is by- Cedric Dickens, great-grandson of Charles Dickens, although again, one of many, many, many great-grandsons of Charles Dickens, but he does have, you know, he basically has sort of different quotations from great-grandpa's books, stories, et cetera. And then he kind of recreates some of the drinks that he would have, you know, been going out and about with. So he is very into, you know, he's, he's all about the porter and to him, says Porter is Guinness and I'm like oh my dude you can get into so many arguments with people and (laughs) you'd probably all be right and wrong at the same time and not going to go down that road but he has one called the dog's nose which is one pint porter and then parentheses Guinness like okay fine and this book's from 1980 so this is not like he's seeking out you know ye ancient versions of things but it's a pint of Guinness two ounces of gin a tablespoon of brown sugar pinch of nutmeg but but again it's with warm guinness and i just don't think it'll be for me but i can see how maybe you know cold weather this might be a thing but he's got a lot of others kind of you know all kind of made with you know a porter backbone if you like but then he's got something called a shandy gaff where i was like oh it'll be kind of a shandy and it's like yes but and again he's very Hmm. non-specific because it starts with a half pint of best ale which could be anything <laughs> yeah. yeah half pint ginger beer and you're like okay you know we're we're in sort of familiar shandy territory, shandy territory. Yeah, yeah put in some ice but then one liqueur glass of orange brandy i'm like oh okay we've gone in a different direction here with this it
1: sounds nice mm. and then half Close. a lemon
2: so i, I don't i feel like to me it might be i want to drink that i feel like for me it would be too citrusy but again that's just personal taste but I'm like now. So, would a best ale? Are we talking like a bitter? Are we talking a pale ale? Again, lots of things you could you could try here, but uh, you have to put it into your favorite tankard. So, again, you've got a tankard, (laughs) you know, see where it goes, and then he just goes right back to ah porter, ah Guinness. I went to Galway once, and yeah. So, it's you know, it's a strange thing. And then he he finishes up his beer cocktail chapter on a black velvet, and I think we've all seen people have a black velvet. You know, your Guinness and champagne. And I'm always like, mm, n- oh, not I've for really me. Oh, I I have seen a lot of young people have it. To me, that's one of those things people would have had when they were sort of 18, 19 and thought they were fancy. And um never for me. Never for me. But again, don't want to yuck someone else's yum if someone else loves it. You do you. We we drank so- a lot of mm. um
1: half cider, half Guinness.
2: I see right. cider, half Guinness, and I've seen, you know, like you, you know, your black currant in Guinness. You know all of those kind of things but uh yeah I I don't know I don't know it is working though as a sort of again dark and stormy-ish base but I, I can to me it does not work with a lot of other things so personal taste though
0: interesting I can't believe that people would mix
2: champagne and Guinness that's crazy it, I have definitely seen it. I don't know if it's more of a, a sort of North American thing because I've also seen it in Canada, but um, per Cedric Dickens, though, he's having it over in England. So bit of a mm. bit of a mystery. But, it, but again, it's one of those things I associate with people who don't really like alcohol drinking mm. alcohol. Um, and I also think it's one of those things I've seen people have at maybe a wedding and they're already kind of drunk. So, you know,
1: but again, there may be someone who loves it and that's good for them. I, I mean, mm. like, I can definitely say that I've made something that I thought that this was going to be, I'm going to, this is, I'm not going to like this. <laughs> um, and it turns out it's, it was like my favorite one, mm. um, which yeah. was, which was the cock ale. Oh,
2: cock ale. That's now that, this is, a, that's a journey. Ooh, do describe yeah. It.
1: Yeah. So, uh, a cock ale, well, it's called a cock ale because you boil a rooster in beer Sorry, what? (laughs) This is still all safe for work, everyone. It's it's fine. Yeah, yeah. So, (laughs) I mean, like to address the elephant in the room, they were aware (laughs) that the name is is you know what it is. Um, In in a dictionary from 1811, um, cocktail is defined as a provocative drink. So they're aware that the name is a little whatever. They're it's a little tongue in cheek.
0: I'm more surprised by the fact that we're boiling
2: a chicken. Well, oh, yeah, there's but a tradition it, of these things. Yeah. Yeah.
1: I mean, they're really old. So one of, um, the recipes I found is from the 17th century, but it's, you know, it, it's old, like it's, it's a very old kind of, um, um, so basically you're supposed to take a rooster and you boil them in eight gallons of out. Now, when I made That's mine, I didn't have a rooster handy. Yeah,
2: uh, no. Funny story. So,
1: so I just used some chicken, um, and yeah. And then you add raisins, nutmegs, mace dates. Um, and then you can add some sack, which is a certain kind of, um, a white wine from Spain. So it's kind of like a dry sherry. Um, I obviously didn't have best sack, so I just used, um, some cream sherry. So I only made a little bit, um, and first I screwed it up because I added, um, a stock pot, not realizing all of the fricking salt in a stock pot. So that just completely, completely destroyed the recipe. So I completely messed it up and then I had to try it again. So the second time I then used chicken and I used dark meat chicken. Um, and I used a malt forward lager with very, very low hot bitterness. Um, yeah. And then I did the dates, the raisins, the whole thing. Oh my God. It was so good. Seriously. So good because what the chicken added, well, at least the dark meat, was just like a nice richness to it, but it wasn't like overwhelming or cloying. So it just added this like lovely richness to this like warm drink Um, with the warming spices, this sort of like mulled flavor. I actually, and from the dates and the raisins, it was gorgeous. I can honestly see why it was really, really popular. I I will say I was really really reticent about the whole thing but I really really liked it like honestly probably probably my favorite
2: of the ones I've made
0: that's insane to me but now now I feel like if you make it I will try it but I don't think I would try it myself as I don't
1: think I would make it well, maybe I'll make some for like a Christmas party or something and bring some, because mm-hmm. like, and like in a big thing and everyone can try some, cause it's actually, it's really good. It's really good that's friends. Like it's, it's nice. And the, 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 the sherry is, that's nice. <laughs> well, and again, people will
2: know probably the, the Robert Herrick poem, his farewell to sack where he's listing things that he's going to miss as much as sack now that he has to be on the wagon kind of, sorta. Of. Um, although Tandy, you're making a face that suggests you did not have to study this poem in high school and college. So um, maybe that's just like <laughs> people like me, but uh, good, it's a good poem. You should definitely like check it out. It's 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 pretty good, but uh, yeah, no, that would be interesting. And I, and I think that actually fits too with the kind of the tradition of people having like, you know, a sort of a beer founded, you know, punch or, or those kind of sort of communal drinks that you would have had at sort of, you know, your, your sort of roadside taverns and uh, things like that, where, where again, you have to think some of that is kind of, how do we get the most out of what we've got, you know, yeah. sitting around? And maybe some of our clientele is not too fussy, but maybe some of this is really good too. Like we might have the good stuff off in this room, but maybe this is kind of in the, the kind of communal room, so. It's interesting to me because
0: having, let's say a four or a 5% beer, it feels to me like you wouldn't want to dilute that much further. So you wouldn't want to try and stretch it, you know, whereas a bottle of really strong spirits or, you know, some, you know, or even a beer of 11 or 12 percent, you might want to thin it out and, you know, make more of it, so to speak. Mm. So it's strange to me that you would use almost low ABV beer um, unless you were just trying for something that was just different and it was a base, especially because maybe a lot of these would have been pre the eras of, Coke and Pepsi and Sprite, and you know, all yeah. of the kind of mixes that we now mix with all of our spirits.
1: Well, and a lot of them call for adding sack or spirits of some kind. So they're adding the booze back into it. Like they definitely, some of these are going for like really strong alcohol. Like even in the braggart that I made, they wanted you to add distilled spirits back to it. So like they're definitely adding, not always but they're in some circumstances adding the, like the higher levels of alcohol back to the drinks. Um, yeah. So like one, an example off the top of my head, huh. I'm actually looking at it, not really the top of my head, but you know, <laughs> um, is a specific Irish ones called Skull which is an Irish hot whiskey and beer cocktail. Okay. So I don't know the origins of this, but I did see it in two, um, two instances from the 1800s and it is described as whiskey and beer flavored with butter eggs and sugar and some spices and one of the people described it as served screeching hot <laughs> but yes it's it also has you know that whiskey in it so it right sounds kind of nice yeah it, it, it was it was, nice. oh, yeah. it was nice yeah it was nice oh and this one i made with a um, an extra special bitter, the Lock Watt extra special bitter. Is oh, I okay. That, and that worked out really nice. And some Tula More Dew whiskey. Um, it was really good. It was very, very good. Highly recommend it. Um, I made it in the middle of summer when it was like a million degrees out. Don't recommend that. But other than <laughs> that, you know, on today it was kind of cold. So day like that mm-hmm. today would be really nice. I was going to say, now, now yeah, with the yeah. energy
0: crisis, I feel like this is the kind of thing we're going to be doing to keep warm.
1: You definitely
0: know? oh that's a good and, thought yeah mm-hmm. and if any of you are like me where it gets to this cold weather and I, I want mulled wine right but I just get my um my slow cooker out and then I've just got mulled wine and it just becomes almost a master stock of mulled right. wine so I just you know keep topping it up and it just keeps going and so maybe I'll try it
2: this year with some beer yeah, you could definitely do it. And actually, I'm trying to think of places, too, where I've had some really interesting kind of beer and especially beer whiskey cocktails. And the, the place that keeps coming to mind for me is Cask and Cork, where I don't know if you guys have been, but they make some really interesting cocktails. They're one of those places where they're all um, sort of crafted for the season, if you like, and they do some really interesting things, mixing local whiskey and local beer and then other delicious I cocktail like ingredients. That. So, Again, lots of places we should have you know field trips to, but that's mm-hmm. uh, that's one where they do do exactly that kind of thing. Uh, may, and maybe they're partially inspired by some of those old you know 19th century recipes, but obviously putting a modern twist on them, having modern tastes in mind, uh, because I've definitely had a cocktail there that was... Um, I'm trying to remember what, what the beer was, but it was like a pale ale, one of the local whiskeys, and then some other delicious things all, all wrapped mm-hmm. together. So... You know, your your modern mixologists are doing very cool things in this area. But again, it, you can kind of hearken these things back, too.
0: That's super cool. Do you know, it did it did unlock a memory for me. I was in Switzerland many years ago mm-hmm. and in some weird club that was actually at the base of a prison, which was also a <laughs> hotel. <laughs> anyway, sure. they served, yeah, they served these kind of, and I, I do think it was like a Mexican lager type of beer, but it had lime hot sauce but it also had tequila in it and that Mm. was actually really cool yeah Um, and I didn't think that that would be awesome but
2: wow it was great it's like a little margarita beer yeah I've seen a couple other things like that yeah that all kind of fit in that where where is it is it more of a beer cocktail is it more of a margarita Mm. bit of everything but yeah some of those can be really really nice especially you know like you say if, if it's hot or if it's just like just the right food for it so yeah, I think there's a lot of scope to play around with there. And I'm sure there's a ton that like, we're not even thinking of that you could do with all kinds of like Asian ingredients and flavors. And mm. again, I'm I'm thinking of a bar we used to go to in Seattle called Navy Strength, where they pick a different sort of focus or a different region each quarter. And they have a completely new cocktail menu along with a couple sort of, you know, standard traditional ones. But I, I remember when they had kind of, um, I want to say Singapore was kind of the 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 focus, and then it was all around that. There were some really interesting flavors, just fascinating things there. And it would be a mix of, you know, kind of purely, you know, liqueur and, you know, uh, sort of fruit juice cocktails, but also a lot of beer cocktails. So I think there, you know, there are places like that who are kind of, you know, trying to be really thoughtful about what those influences are and trying to bring flavors that maybe people haven't thought of putting together, but Mm. they can be so good. Sounds amazing. Sounds like
0: you really could actually design a whole bunch of cocktails for different times of the year, different stars of beer or different ingredients that you've got on hand as Mm -hmm. well. You know, someone's just, just cooking in a, in a different way.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And and again, I think like a good, a really good bartender, good mixologist, like they can do magic kind of like you were saying before. And, and, you know, sometimes those drinks will be on fire when you get them or, you know, they'll, they'll have, you know, the, the, the sort of liquid nitrogen smoke or whatever that's fun. I'm happy to have a gimmick, but uh yeah, it's like what you know what can you do if you mix these things together, which kind of on their own are all lovely, but then you know combine them to something unexpected?
0: yeah so Christina, of the ones that you've made, besides the the cocktail uh, <laughs> what have what have been your highlights, and what are ones that maybe you wouldn't try again um
1: <laughs> let me see. I don't think I was like the biggest fan of the posset that I made, mm. um, which again is has like milk and cream and, and eggs and all that stuff in it. And it's just, I'm just not as big of a fan of like the heavier drinks. Um, I can see why people thought it was really why they would think they were good. Um, and there's like a million posset recipes. So I've, if so. you've tried one posset recipe, tried one posset recipe there's like a million other ones to try so i can't say i don't like posset i can just say that i wasn't a fan of the recipe that i particularly tried i will keep trying them um i really did like the butter beer that i made um that was probably another one of my favorite ones tell us Um, more so the one that i made was from The Good Housewife's Handmade for the Kitchen, um, which was printed in 1594. And you take beer and eggs and sugar and nutmeg and cloves and ginger, and you heat it all up and you mix it up and then you add butter to it. And then you mix them all together and you froth them all up. And it is delicious. It's so good. Honestly, I probably, yeah, I'd say the cocktail and the butter beer are like my top two beer drinks. I love both of them. They're so good. The butter beer is like nice and frothy. And I had it on like a really, really cold day last year. And I can just remember being so cold and drinking it and just being this like lovely warming drink. Um, yeah, gorgeous. Really, really, really nice. It really does sound like a hug. It was. How it's happened, very comforting. I, it's like, a really comforting mm, drink.
0: I had some butter beer at Harry Potter World, but that was not
1: alcoholic. So you know. No, no. This is the actual historical. Yeah. Recipe. Um. And there's like again, there's a million of versions of of butter beer. So, but it's you know the essence is the same, and it's really good. Mm,
0: and what so- kind of Based beer did you start with sorry lisa um, oh no let me see
1: i used uh, yeah i used a uh multi-german lager
2: Ooh, cool. lovely yeah no I, I was just gonna say it's perfect for you know like we're saying this cold weather that's coming and maybe you don't want it to put the heat on just yet but this might might keep you going for a while
1: yeah yeah i'm gonna to have to break these recipes out again actually i'm just gonna to have to i have a, like a million of these i'm gonna to have to just start making more of them i'll have to get this back up and running but yeah
0: sounds divine do we have any other cocktails that we
2: want to talk about any parting thoughts I think I'll just say it's it's funny that you know there are some beer specific cocktail books which are out there now, and I, I was looking at some of what I have, which which are great. But I, I think it's surprising almost the extent to which you have a lot of early ones, and then there's the sort of gulf. Like um, they they don't appear in like I've got one of you know your your Trader Vic's here. There's basically nothing in uh, you know Trader Vic's um, bartender guide telling you about you know how to how to mix uh, beer with anything. It's really all just you know, what are your fruit juices you can mix with you know whiskey or gin or or that kind of thing and and i wonder like how much of that is you know as we got sort of if you like sort of better and more distinct kinds of gin or vodka or rum you know that people were like oh let's just play off these flavors versus hey we got some beer let's see where we can go and i, and I wonder if we're going to kind of see a, a sort of you know the pendulum swing the other way where now you have so many flavors and beer like we were saying before, we're going to see more and more trying to build off that instead of kind of the profile starting the other way. So I don't know, that, that's my my unproven theory, but we'll see. Very interesting. So ladies, are we
0: going to try and uh, experiment with some more beer cocktails as we head into winter?
2: Yes. <laughs> Absolutely. I think I'm going to. I think you've convinced me. And maybe, you know, maybe we'll do a big communal thing. Like we're saying, we'll get some people over, you know, have a big stockpot of something and See what we can cook
0: up. Yeah, love it.
2: And for all of you
0: listening at home, if you've made an awesome beer cocktail, please send it like our way. Send us the recipe, and we'd love to know the creations that you've made, and at home whether they're hot or cold. Just because we're going into winter doesn't mean we're only looking for the warm ones. But no, it's it sounds um sounds like there's a whole other world that we actually need to explore a little bit christina you're already you've already got a few feet in there you know and we'll have to take a take it from you and for those listening at home you can check out christina's website it'll be linked in the show notes but it's brachiatricks.com and there are loads of recipes on there and loads of experiments where christina has made um all sorts of historically accurate or inspired recipes ales experiments and also just musings along the way, so have a look at that. Righto, so ladies, we're going to wrap it up. Um, thank you everybody for listening to another one of our beer ladies episodes, especially these beer adjacent ones where we like mm-hmm. to dip our fingers into the uh, into the world's parallel to ours. And Lisa Christina, thank you for bringing your knowledge as always. And to everybody at home, we'll see you on the socials. We'll see you on buy me a beer slash coffee (laughs) Mm -hmm. and um, check out our all of our different links are in our link tree in our bios at beer ladies pod wherever you get your podcasts, your tweets your Facebook posts, your Instagram pics, we're everywhere so have a look, we're even on TikTok so go have a (laughs) go have a gander there, we're trying to be like the young ones, right. thanks everybody, have a good evening all day, see you later bye bye Bye-bye-bye. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well...